Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today we continue our message series, Asking for a Friend. I love that because you can ask whatever crazy thing you want because you're not asking it, you're asking for a friend. So today we continue... Our question today is, should Christians judge? And now this question was a little bit longer at first. Should Christians judge people? And there were some other qualifiers that went on with it, but I'm just going to go ahead and jump in right there. And uh, the idea for this question that comes up all the time, passively and actively, actually comes from the scriptures. So... Like a, lot of, uh, like a lot of thoughts that we struggle with, uh, you can take a portion of scripture, uh, uncompleted and, or incomplete, and you can wind that out and, and, and make a doctrine out of it. And cultural, culture right now is actually trying to help the church uh, produce an idea that the church and believers should not judge. Here's where it comes from. Matthew chapter seven, verse one. Jesus, right from Jesus, he says, do not judge others. Say that with me. Do not judge others. If that's the case, I just lost my job. I just lost my job. My preaching, all of these things, a little bit challenging for me, but that's not all he said. He said, do not judge others and you will not be judged. So that's a little bit more of a complete sentence. But of course, we're going to go on down through Matthew 7. As we go, we're going to jump into the scriptures elsewhere. Now, before I do, let me just give you the contrast between what the culture is doing and what the church is doing. Here's the, the culture on judging. Uh, the culture on judging is this. Judging is wrong except when it's right. Have you felt that before? Like some of the most judgmental people are the people that are the most accepting people. The most judgmental culture can be, or the most uh, non-judgmental culture, the most open culture, oftentimes is the most judgmental culture of them all. Let, let me just give you a couple examples here. Uh, for instance, uh, judging is right when it comes to your carbon footprint, but judging is wrong when it comes to human sexuality. Or judging is right when it comes to masks and vaccines, but judging is wrong when it comes to unborn life. Judging is right when it comes to what the social media CEOs have to say, uh, but judging is wrong when it doesn't have the approval of the cultural elite. And I just wanna say I'm sorry for all of you unwashed, backwards people that have not got your opinions and your ideas lined up with the people who know better for our life. Let me just tell you, I just get this off my chest. Let's do it up front. I have started an organization today. I invite you to join. I'm the CEO today of this organization. It's a club, actually. It's called the I Don't Give a Rip Club. Okay? I would love for you to join. So I really don't care what Mark Zuckerberg says or what uh, the dude Jack over at uh, Twitter. I don't care what they say. You know what I care? I care about what Jesus says, and I care about how it forms my family and how it forms my community and my church. Now, I, that doesn't mean I want to be rude. It just means that while I listen and I take in, you know what I want to do is I want to be found 
faithful to what God has to say. So judging, it's just kind of an interesting thing. Now, of course, if you've been around at all, any parents in the house today? I'm gonna prove that judging is right. Judging is right when it comes to selecting a babysitter. Come on, that's true, right? And, and for ever, all of you that uh, are familiar with the roads in Mobile, you know our lovely five-lane roads. You've got two eastbound roads and you have two westbound roads and then you have this one lane in the middle. I'm not sure what that is. I'm pretty sure that's called the Wild West. <laughs> Judging is right when it comes time to pull into that middle lane. Judging is right. Judging is, is right when it comes to, to buying a house. Judging is right when it comes to picking a business partner. Let me tell you, judging is right when it comes time to checking out that joker that's showing up for a first date. Come on, can I get an amen in the house today? (laughs) And here's what the scriptures have to say about judging. Here's the scriptures on judging. Judgment starts at home. Judgment starts at home. So for the believers, for Christians, for people following Christ, what we're saying here is before we judge others, we want to judge ourselves. We want God to start here. Uh, the scriptures say, 1 Peter chapter 4, 17, I'm just going to read a part of this. For the time has come for judgment and it must begin with God's household. Now the world is going to be judged, but let me tell you, the place that we should start is right here is right here, that we would ask God, God, give us discernment in how we judge the world, but what good does it do for us to get the world to act like Christians if they don't know Jesus? And what good is it for Christians to act like the world when we say that we know Jesus? So the most important thing that we can do is we can examine ourselves. It's what we're supposed to do every time we receive communion. It's what we're supposed to do every time we open up the scriptures. This should be like a mirror that reflects who we are and who Jesus is. It causes us to lean Um, more closely into him. So listen, what you're not gonna hear me say today is don't judge because that's not what the scripture says. That's actually not what Jesus says. That's a part of what Jesus says as he's developing an idea and giving direction for us. So today, let me give you six guides for helping you to judge well. Anybody wanna judge well today? Okay, so here we go. Number one, Christians must judge effectively. We want to be effective. Now, I do know in the scriptures that Jesus tells us that he has come, that we would have life and life more abundantly. And I think I've said this a number of times, and I want to keep saying this, is that there are so many Christians that have prayed a prayer of repentance and confession of sins and confession that Jesus is Lord, and we are made positionally right with the Lord, and we're on our way to heaven. We have eternal life. But let me tell you, there is more to be explored in our walk with Christ than just that initial altar experience where we pray a sinner's prayer and God changes our heart. I don't just want to settle for getting the key card to getting into heaven. What I want is I want to have abundant life now. I want to walk in wisdom. I want to walk in strength. I don't want to just make it. We don't, we don't just want to make it, do we? We want to Make it in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit, right? And the strength of God's word, walking with Jesus, reflecting Jesus. The reality is that for most people in the world, the only Jesus anyone will see is the Jesus that's living in us. 
So it's got to be more than us just making it, but it has to be us reflecting the image, the character, the nature of Jesus Christ and how we live. So we want to have wisdom and we want to be able to do this well. So we want to judge effectively. Jesus in John chapter 7, verse 24 says this. He says, look beneath the surface so that you can judge correctly. This is Jesus. Look beneath the surface. So your mama might have said it like this. Don't judge a book by his cover. Don't judge something based on what you just see right away, but look beneath the surface. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, he said, when I wrote to you before, now this, let me tell you, this is, this is a tough one. This is a tough one, but this is a good one. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Now he's going to give a list, and if we stopped right here, it would make us very lonely, all alone. We'd have nobody to hang out with. Because don't you know that there is no one that is pure? No, not one. There's not one. Is there anybody in here perfect today? You've never failed. You never made a mistake. Anybody do that? Just go ahead and raise your hand. I'll, I'll, I'll take a second. It's not. It's, there's one. Jesus. So what Paul is saying, he's saying... Not, He's not telling us to isolate ourselves, but he says, he says, I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. So what you see here is Paul echoing Peter's words, uh, saying that judgment starts in the house of the Lord. It's also the reality that these doors open and people who need Jesus come in. so that we can receive Jesus, so that we can learn about Jesus, so that we can feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit working and moving in our lives. But Paul says here, he said, listen, be careful about who, those who claim Christ yet preach another gospel. And even more so for teachers, even more so for teachers. In fact, the Bible says not many should aspire to be teachers because they will be held to an even higher account. And think about this. If, we're, um, if we are um, preaching and teaching and establishing doctrine and training and developing and raising up little ones and we're showing them the wrong way to go, the impact of our lives, the impact of our lives, the impact of our words are exponential impacting a number of people. So we're held to a higher account. If we're on this stage, we're held to a higher account. If we're leading small group, we're held to a higher account. Paul is, is saying, Paul is saying, judge effectively. Because the, the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, is important. What kind of bride is Jesus coming for? One without spot or blemish, wrinkle, uh, a bride whose wick is trimmed and whose lamp is filled with oil and 
and ready. Secondly, second guide, ditch the double standards. Say that with me. Ditch the double standards. And this is, this is a major problem for the church when we preach one thing, but we live another thing. The, the, some of the best sermons that will ever be preached in life are, are sermons that are walked out in sneakers and a pair of blue jeans every single day of the week because people watch what we do more than they listen to what we say. In fact, I would say we are less of a megaphone and more of a stamp. People and our children, the people around us, they don't become what we tell them to do. They become who we are. I know this. Just walk to the mall today. You see a flock of teenagers, a flock of middle-aged men. You see all kinds of people walking around, expressing their individuality, dressed and talking and walking just like their whole crowd they're hanging out with. Nobody said to coordinate the outfits. It just kind of happens. Ditch the double standards. Don't say one thing and do something else because people tend to live and listen to the sermons we live more than the sermons that we preach. Jesus says fully here, Matthew chapter seven, verses one through five, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get the... Get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Here's the truth. The closer you are to your heart, the greater responsibility you have for judging. So Pathway Church is not my greatest responsibility, my greatest preaching responsibility, my greatest preaching responsibility is to myself. Let me tell you, that's the hardest leadership I have. The mo- Listen, I coached my son's four and five-year-old football team. Now that was, that was some tough leadership. It, it, was, it was like herding cats. I mean, we got lots of touchdowns, but usually we ran it into our own end zone first and then ran it the other way. It was incredible. More difficult than coaching four and five-year-old flag football is coaching Travis Johnson. Self-leadership is the most difficult leadership. That's my closest. Then it's my family. And then it's my church. And as that ripples out, the, the less influence and the less authority that I have to be running around judging. And if we're jumping out ahead of all of that, failing to lead ourselves, it makes it so much more difficult to lead other people. Third, now this is gonna help your marriage. It's gonna help your marriage really good here. Judge actions and ideas, not motives. As soon as you get into the, well, you always do this. Did I, I didn't even get the head shake right on that. Somebody help me with that. You you always, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like you really, well, you did this because, don't worry about that. You know, small people judge people. Stronger people deal with ideas and principles. And one of the most fatal flaws that we have is when our judgment goes personal. When our judgment goes personal, it, 
it, it's, hard to, it's hard to deal in the principles because it, then it's just so raw and so challenging and so difficult. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 39, the Bible says, give your people what their actions deserve for you alone know each human heart. The truth is, you don't know my heart. I don't know your heart. We only deal with principles. Sometimes we over-spiritualize and over-personalize conflict instead of getting down into the idea, dealing with the idea. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, he says, so don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. He says, focus on the main thing, the ideas and the actions. Four, number four, judge indisputable things, avoid judging disputable things. It was attributed to St. Augustine. It was actually somebody else, but Augustine gets credit for a, a lot of sayings. And it, but it's, it's something that, that we believe. And that is that in the essentials, we should have unity. In the non-essentials, we should have liberty, but in all things, charity. Look, there are so many clear doctrines in the Bible that we should be willing to fight for. Listen, there are things in this book that we should hold like this. But pastor, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. I want to teach something else. That's fine. Go get your own church. <laughs> Go get your own church, right? But the church of Jesus Christ says that we believe in that Jesus was conceived of a virgin. He was, he was born, he grew, he performed miracles. Uh, he turned the water into wine. And uh, he declared the acceptable day of the Lord. He came as our Messiah. And for doing all of those things, he was beaten. He was crucified. He was buried. He was resurrected. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he sits there today making intercession for us. That, that's the essential. We, we will we'll hold that just like that. And we'll divide fellowship over that. I mean, we can still be friends, but you can't lead a small group. We'll still be friends, but you can't lead worship. We'll still be friends, but you can't preach in this pulpit, right? We can still be friends, but you can't be a believer being an activist within the church preaching something that denies the deity of Jesus Christ. But in the non-essentials, you know, let's not get bound up in a bunch of arguing and complaining. You know, when Jesus is very clear, when the scriptures are very clear, when the Bible is very clear about stealing and cheating and murdering and sexual immorality, let's be very clear, let's hold on tightly. But when it comes to disputable things, and let me tell you, there are things in the scriptures that are, that are incomplete sentences that we have to work very diligently to understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. Let's not spend our time majoring on the minors. Instead, let's major on the majors. Let's have unity here. And let's make a little room for one another right here. Well, I don't like how they worship. I don't like how she worships. I don't like how, I, 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 think, I think she's trying to draw too much attention to her. Why don't you start looking to Jesus and stop looking at him? You know, let, let's make a little room for one another on the disputable things. But in all of these things, let's show love for one another. 
Now, Romans chapter 14, I'd like to give that to you for your homework because it's an entire chapter on disputable things and how we can deal with them. Romans chapter 14 and verse one tells us this. It says, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Now, scripture goes on to really unpack that. Verse 12 says this. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God, so let's stop condemning each other over disputable things. It's not talking about indisputable. You can't, again, you cannot preach something that opposes Christ or that opposes the clear word of God. But let's stop condemning each other over these other things. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I want to pause here just for a second. And I want to take you maybe even back a little bit into the message last week where we were talking about tithing. We were talking about New Testament giving. And, and, you know, I went and I said, listen, New Testament giving isn't just giving, it's a continuation of the kind of giving we see in the Old Testament. Actually, what we see in the New Testament is that God owns it all. But let me ask you this, where have you ever seen, where have you ever seen in the New Testament that Jesus lowered the bar on anything in the Old Testament? When he said not to steal, where did he say, well, you could steal a little bit? When he said not to murder, when did he say you could murder a little bit? He never said it. The bar was always raised. How in the world would we let someone in the Old Testament outgive uh, those of us, someone in the Old Testament li- uh, living out the law, those of us who are living the new covenant, uh, how, how would we give less? So when we look at this and we say, well, hey, there's some things here that we're dealing with a disputable thing. Something that the Holy Spirit hasn't convicted us over. But we have a brother who has a conviction over it. Why would we want to put a stumbling block in the path of our brothers and sisters? So let me just tell you a decision that I've made in my life. There are some things. There are some things that for me, if I did them, would be sin because the Holy Spirit has convicted me of them disputable things. And there are things that the Holy Spirit has not convicted me of, but because he has for some others, there are things that I choose not to do for the sake of my brother and my sister. So I've decided I don't want to lower the bar. I want to raise the bar because I love Jesus and I love my brother. He said, decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know And am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person it is wrong. So, you know, I'm not a vegetarian. Really, I'm a meatitarian, personally. I I like a good steak. You know what? But if someone has chosen that they're going to have a, what's the kind of diet that you eat? It's a... No, I mean, yeah, vegan or um, what's the kind of... Pescatarian, it's like only fish, right? What's some, some people, really, all carbs is pretty amazing. I mean, if you could just live off it. Look, whatever it is, if you feel like you should eat only Doritos, and that, that's fine, be a Doritoitarian, that's absolutely fine. But you know what? Each of us, let's each of us navigate what's in our heart, not only about what we eat or what we watch, but in everything that we do, and care for one another and build one another up. Mask, no mask. Vaccine, no vaccine. You know what, at the end of the, Republican, Democrat, whatever it is, listen, 
you focus on the main business right here and you work this stuff out. Look, there are some, there are some issues in political parties that are indisputable. I don't know how, I don't know that how we can support some planks in some parties. I don't know how it's a, it's a real problem. It's a real problem. Life. I don't know how, I don't know how we can justify abortion. I just don't know how, but you know what? Let's make room for people as they navigate their choices that they're making on disputable things. Is that fair? Is that good? Come on. Is that okay? Paul says, let's take care of Christ. Let's take care of one another. Now, this is the really good stuff. This is the stuff that really just captures, should capture the heart of the believer because I know it captures the heart of Jesus. The fifth guide is to restore people. Say that with me. Restore people. Listen, the point, the point of judging others is not condemnation, it's restoration. The point of judging others is not pressing down, but is lifting up. The point of judging others or judging yourself. You know, let's go there. The point of judging ourselves is, is not to press, to stress, to beat up, to destroy, but to diagnose and prescribe the solution. And that solution isn't a thing or an idea. That's Jesus. The altar call should not be seen as something that is about condemnation or judgmentalism. It's about life and healing and wholeness. I know this, if it wasn't for Jesus who convicted me by his Holy Spirit through the truth of God's word, I would not be ready for eternity. The point of judging isn't to do harm. The point of judging is to build up. Paul says in Galatians chapter six, verse one, dear brothers and sisters, if, in, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So the powerful thing here isn't that our judging is a cut down contest. You know, it's not that we're gonna belittle and diminish and prove how good we are. How many of you know that we are not what is good in the equation of salvation? It's Jesus who's good. It's Jesus who makes us right. It's Jesus who's doing the good work inside of us. The aim is to restore and to heal and to transform. The point of this question has a lot to do with how we judge others. And that's important. That's important because it's people who have enough, for it. Let, let, me say that, let me say this also really quickly. The greater relationship you have with someone, the more easily someone can hear the word of God. the more relationship you have with your children, the easier it is for them to hear discipline. Now, discipline is tough for parents, period. Amen. It's, it's, it's tough. Boy, it's tough. 
And especially you begin to feel the influence in the family change as children are getting older. And, you know, at some point you're not in control. It's not about authority anymore. It's just about influence that's built up. But I do know this, if you don't have relationship, let's say it's with somebody else's kid. If you don't have relationship, let me tell you the rules that you drop on somebody else's kid, that may go over like a lead balloon right there. But when it comes to judging, the more relationship you cultivate with your neighbor, the more open they're going to be about the truth and the relationship that you have in Jesus Christ. Most of this question has been focused on our approach to other people. But this sixth God is about us. Really, it's all about us, but this sixth, this last one, is the most important thing in the world. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What does it profit a man if he has many friends but doesn't have friendship with Jesus? Man, we, we should want our first things rather than our second things first. If we get our first things first, then we can get the second things. But if we get our second things first, we don't get our first things. We, not only will we not get our first things, but eventually we'll lose our second things as well. Here's the sixth guide, be open to God's truth about your life and be saved and be made free. I wanna say this to you today, Pathway. Be open to the soft truth about yourself. What is the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear to you today? What is that nudge? What is that nudge that you felt just before the service during worship, just before the message? during worship? What is that feeling that you experienced as you were getting ready for church today? That little tug of the Holy Spirit on our life. You know, maybe we should give a greater ear to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Boy, it's so easy for me to look past my own flaws, to see others. I'm sure there's no one else like that in the room today. But would you forget about number five? Would you forget about other people? just for a minute, would you forget about what your neighbor did to you? Would you, would you forget about what the guy down the street said about you just for a minute? And would you look at yourself today and be open to what the Holy Spirit is saying directly to you and me today? Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31 says this, but if we would examine ourselves we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. I have come today to ask God to examine us, to examine me and to examine you by his good grace, that he would do it now so that we wouldn't have to experience it later. You know, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, everyone. Even the most diametrically opposed person that lives on the face of the earth, the greatest atheist, the greatest agnostic, the greatest person that says, I know who God is, but I don't like him. I don't wanna have anything to do with him. 
Let me tell you, every single person, every person says, well, I would go to church, but I've been hurt in the church. And so I've separated, I've separated myself. Wait, let me tell you, every single person, even the person that comes to church week in and week out, dressed like you're supposed to, singing like you're supposed to, going through the motions, doing good things for people, being kind, but you have hardened your heart to the Lord. Maybe you've come to church for social reasons. Maybe you've come to church because you like to be a part of a family, but you've turned your heart away from the Lord. You've not given the Lord your heart. Let me tell you, even that person one day will bow their knee to Jesus. Pathway Church, can we be open to him? right now, that he would touch our lives and move in our lives today. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.